are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back, and you got us on a Thursday this time. Thursday, August 25th, and another episode of The Issue. So it is our first Thursday episode, uh, gearing up for the NFL season. Really packed show today. Yeah, get really into, packed. Get, get into that schedule, right? We're starting going to start releasing Thursday morning. Yeah. That way we can, you know, cover all the games from the previous week of the, uh, the NFL season. Preview that Thursday night game, of course, and then the rest of the week all the way through Monday night. So it just kind of works out perfectly. Um, but yeah, pack show. You know, I'll obviously have my little rant. We'll have some hits and misses. A little bit of a of an interview type thing in the third segment. Uh, so we've got a guy. Yeah, Ben Matt, Thompson from the Bump and Run podcast. Yeah, I met him online, and he had some uh, some takes about the Patriots, and and he wanted to talk about our Patriots take because of course ours is really low. We're, yes. we're pretty low we on the Patriots as, five a, as and twelve, a show. I think. Sounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, as a show, a little bit lower on the Patriots than a lot of people are. So, you know, he's going to come on talk about it a little bit. And, of course, we have the uh, AFC South. Yeah, the AFC South predictions today. It is the last divisional prediction. Uh, so enjoy it. Um, last division to get to. This is eight weeks in the making now. So feels good to get to the end of it and be starting to wrap it up, put the finishing touches on all of our preseason predictions and, and really just start getting into the games, into the regular season of the NFL and what we do best. But like I said, AFC South predictions and the superlative, so MVP, Opoi, Depoy, uh, breakout player, and the coach of the division will all be given uh, later in the second segment. So definitely stick around or fast forward to it if that's what you're here for. Right. Um, and then we have the interview to wrap things up at the end of the show. But, I mean, kind of a crazy week. Things have been really starting to kick up with NFL storylines. Uh, yeah. The further we get into preseason, uh, we're starting to see more of these guys play. I know we were watching some of the Monday night uh, preseason game, the Falcons and the Jets, kind of a tire fire there, but interesting to see some of the some of the different guys that they got. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly interesting. So I was thinking about this. We, we did a little bit of betting segment, right, last, last week, getting into some preseason bets. I think we previewed a little bit of week one type of stuff. Um, we ended up going two for three on that, so that's cool. Um, Take that. That's actually not in in our hits and misses. I completely forgot about it. We'll throw it in. There you go. Here it is. (laughs) Throwing it in right now. Hit number one before actual hit number one. We went two for three on our bets. That's not bad. Um, Yeah. So you guys like the casino betting, right? All that. Um, There's an old saying in betting that you can lose. You can only lose like 100 percent of what you of what you put in, but you can win much more than 100 percent, 200 percent, 300 percent, whatever the risk may be. You can always win more than 100 percent. You can only lose that 100 percent. I'll even give you like a non-sports example and kind of boil it down. It's all risk and reward, right? Say, for example, you're late for work, right? You're driving a little bit fast. Kind of risky. But the reward outweighs the risk. Right? There's pros and cons always in your head. Right? The whole risk-reward. Pros and cons. I always go back and forth, right? Pro. Just a highway, right? You're only going 10 over. You know, you're running the risk, but you get there on time. You know, you're not going to get chewed out, right? Cons. You get pulled over. Probably going to get a warning anyway, right? The risk and reward, we like that. We like that, right? This is my point here with the Steelers and Kenny Pickett. The, the risk and reward is start Kenny Pickett. Like, I, I get it, right? Mitch is safe. He's a veteran. You know, sell him to the locker room or whatever. And I, I actually like Mitch. I thought the signing was fantastic when we actually signed him. But now I, I 
All right, so I've been back and forth. I've been saying, uh, maybe wait four weeks and then start Kenny. Or I was saying, we got to start Mitch, let Kenny sit a little bit, right? I am, this is my firm. This is my, this is my final take on Kenny Pickett. This is what I, exactly what I would do. You have to start him. You have to start him. I've seen enough, right? Aggressive wins. The saying, nice guys finish last. Yeah, it's got some truth to it, right? So do timid guys. So do timid organizations. Washington has yet to go out and make a splash of quarterback. Yeah, it's going well. They've had Terry McLaurin for three years, a good defense for three years, decent enough line play for three years, and they've settled for Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now Carson Wentz. Their crowning achievement in those three years, they almost beat Tom Brady. That's a, that's like, a, hey, we, we almost beat Brady in the playoffs. That's their crowning achievement. Do we, do we want to be Washington? They're all very average at quarterback. Heineke, Fitzpatrick, Carson Wentz. Well, how about, how about Denver pre-Russ, right? They, they juggle between Brock Osweiler and I think Trevor Simeon was his name and Drew Locke. They were all the definition of mediocrity. Now they make a splash. Hey, hint, hint, they're going to be better, right? Like, that's how it works. How about the Dolphins for years, right? Ryan Tannehill, good, not special. Ryan Fitzpatrick, blah. Right, the bottom of the league is filled with a bunch of blah. Like, that, that, that is the bottom of the league. Right? Here's what has won. Let's go back five years because I actually think anything before that, I think the league has changed a lot in just the last five years. Right? So we'll just go back five years. Let's look at the Super Bowl teams. Let's look at both teams, right? Because you've got to be pretty good, you know, to get the Super Bowl, right? People always write them off like, oh, you lost the Super Bowl. Okay, well, they're the second best team out of 32. I'd rather be that than not make the playoffs. So let's look at both teams, right? This past year, the Rams. Goff, not good enough. Let's go make a splash, dip into the savings, risk it, go big. Worked out. Get Stafford, go big. How about even Cincinnati, right? Let's, we should play it safe. Probably get Penny Sewell, you know. Let's, uh, let's work on our line play, right? And we could swing big and get Jamar Chase. That worked out pretty well. How about Tampa? The year before, right? Ah, swing big, get Tom. Worked out. How about Kansas City? Alex Smith, pro bowler. Doesn't matter. Let's go get Mahomes. Doesn't matter. Tyreek Hill, off the field issues. Doesn't matter. We'll risk it. We'll make it work. Mm, worked. Right about San Francisco. Granted, they're not massive risk takers, but I mean, they pushed the envelope with Jimmy G, who's a backup, and they gave him the most money at that time in the league. That's a risk. Eh, it gets to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, how about New England, right? They've, they've always had the culture, and it started as a slow build, but then it was, you know, this guy's productive, but it doesn't matter. He's getting too expensive. Let's get him out of here. Let's risk it. Let's start the young guy. It's exactly what, that's exactly what is sustained, or what did sustain that dynasty, right? They get expensive, deal him, young guy. Beats McVay in the Super Bowl. How about McVay and the Rams, right? Progressive, young, flashy. Took a big risk not starting any starters in the preseason, right? That was like the first time that's ever happened. Oh, yeah, they were money. Started 8-0, went to the Super Bowl. I mean, couldn't move the ball, but yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. How about Philly the year before? Going against that basically same New England juggernaut with a backup quarterback. Let's run a trick play, a reverse, and let's have our third-string tight end throw a pass to our backup quarterback. It's a bit of a risk, huh? Right against Bill Belichick's defense, Tom Brady, he pushed the envelope. That's what the Steelers need to do. Push the envelope. Start Kenny Pickett. I mean, if it doesn't work, pivot fast. I mean, look, outside of the offensive line, he's got everything. He's got, it's everything right there. All the tools are right there in front of him. Right, the, the O-line's not ideal, but it's not going to be as bad as we think. Right, he's got three to four good wide receivers. You know, he's got a very, very nice tight end. He's got a star back, a great defense. Uh, the offense that he ran at Pitt is very similar to this. Stability in the front office. Hall of Fame coach. 
And people are like, oh, but, but the line. Okay, well, he's got like nine of the ten check marks you need to be successful as an NFL quarterback. Do it. He, he is tailor-made for him to walk in and start. He's got, what, 60 college starts? Four, no, like 40-plus college starts? It, this is tailor-made for him to walk in and start. And he's looked good. Right, we, you can only lose up to 100% of what you put in. Right, you, you're only going to be so good with Mitch Trubisky. Star Kenny Pickett, he can take you above that 100% threshold. He can get you to the next level. And if he can't, boom, you flip around and draft a quarterback next year. So what? This whole, this whole, oh, but we might be under 500 for the first time under Tomlin. Okay? Like, okay? okay. They're not going to fire him. They're not going to fire him. I, mean, I don't think they should either. Even if they go under 500. Say you start Kenny Pickett. He has a rough, rough year. They go 7 and 10. You're drafting somewhere around 11. They realize Kenny's not the guy. You trade a couple picks. Boom, now you're at 8. Good quarterback. Or you go 7 and 10, right? Again, drafting somewhere around 11. We like Kenny. And we go get, I don't know, a good left tackle at 11. Because you can still get a good left tackle or a good lineman at 11. That seems pretty ideal. Right, so... You have to see what you have in Kenny now. I don't I don't get it. Starting Mitch, I don't think there's a whole lot of value to starting Mitch Trubisky. I think this is made for Kenny Pickett to walk in, swing big. That's what's been winning in the NFL. That's what's been winning in the NFL. Even basketball, even even in baseball, the Dodgers going to pay for a, a massive payroll. Big lineup. What do you know? They won. Right? That's how it works. you got to swing big. You have to swing big. And I think Kenny Pickett at least at this point, is the biggest swing you can make at the quarterback position. So I think you have to go for it. No, yeah, uh, definitely agree. Um, the thing with Kenny Pickett, you said, you know, he doesn't have the best offensive line. He has a couple uh, places where the Steelers don't check all the boxes, and, and I totally get that. But really the only big one is the offensive line. Do you know who else didn't have a big or a great offensive Joe line Burrow. when they walked in? Exactly, Joe Burrow, and he, they went to a Super Bowl. Because you know why? He had great weapons around him, and that's kind of what Kenny Pickett has. Uh, if he's ready to go and he's ready to be rolled out there, I mean, you got George Pickens, you got Chase Claypool, you got Pat Fryermuth, you got Deontay Johnson. You got a lot to throw to to help a young quarterback. But no, definitely uh, agree. Kenny Pickett needs to start week one. Yep, yeah, absolutely. We're on the same page. Um, well, I don't know. Let's get into hits and misses. So we kind of already had that hit number one there at the, at the beginning of the episode, right? Yes. Um, but real hit number one here. So I've been saying this like. I don't know, like a hundred times in the show, and people start bashing the NFL or, you know, comparing it to the NBA or something ridiculous like that. Like, I, I just kind of roll my eyes. The NFL is so far and away better than all of them. And we watch it, we bet it, we play fantasy with it, right? This year, fantasy leagues are up. No surprise there. Um, we'll be doing a little bit of fantasy here. But, so, there's like a separation between real life and, and fantasy, right? That's, that's yes. pretty normal. Yeah. Same thing goes in football, but, you know, we will talk it a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people play fantasy. I play fantasy. I'm not huge into it, right? I'm not, I'm not doing a bunch of mock drafts, right? I kind of just get on there. I said, best available player at, at a couple positions that I need. Um, but, you know, I, I could put a strategy into it if I feel like it, but I just, I'm not into that. I just I kind of I have fun right. with it. And uh, so we will talk a little bit. But like I said, fantasy leagues are up. Preseason's up. Betting's already up. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. The thing with fantasy football is a lot of times you'll get a guy that's like a great fantasy player that really doesn't contribute too much to like the winning and success of a team or or you'll get somebody that's a huge contributor to winning and success and you know can't put up any numbers in fantasy well, so it, you walk like it's almost it's a fine line like, right. are we trying to predict the outcomes of these games or are we trying to predict who's going to score the most points in fantasy football um you know this show is more geared towards reality so right and at the end of the day i mean patrick mahomes 
goes in like the fifteenth round sometimes, depending yeah. on your league. You're telling me that in a in a ten person league, fifteenth round, right? There's a hundred and forty guys better. Yeah. Did I do that math right? And yeah, yes. And, and so fourteen previous rounds, ten guys per round. You're telling me he's the you know that that far down the thing. You know what I mean? No, yeah. Not actually in the fifteenth round, but you get my point. No, right? yeah. he goes late. I mean, because if you draft the quarterback first in fantasy, you're like, I did that one time. Away. I did that one time, and I was not regretting it for a while. And then Andrew Luck got hurt, and then I immediately regretted yeah. it. So, um, all right, miss number one here. I do believe <laughs> we did a mock draft for the Steelers. I think not this past draft, but the draft before. I actually real life said on the air that I recommend drafting a Mr. Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. Mm. Uh, well, he might not even start for the Raiders, who don't even have a good offensive line. So if you can't start there, I can't help you. Um, and we ended up drafting drafting Najee, who's an absolute freak of nature. Yeah, I'll take that. So that, that is a certain miss, but it's, it's relatively a, happy because, you know, my Steelers got a better player. It's a good miss. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely glad that they didn't end up taking Leatherwood. That would have been a little bit more of a liability on the O-line. And, yeah. I mean, if you can pick out any, any like, dark spot of the Steelers' uh, like whole roster right now, it's going to be the offensive line. And that oh, was yeah. extremely apparent in that last preseason game, too, against yeah. the Jaguars of all teams. They have, yeah. like, a and it, decent no, pass rush. Right. Nothing crazy. It's gotten better, but I don't even know how many starters actually played. I but didn't like good, watch a whole lot of it. Good luck when you got to go play Cleveland or, or right. Baltimore in division. I agree. I agree even Cincinnati has an improved pass rush. Yeah, they do. All right, hit number two. I said Mac Jones is decent, not special, and I don't love their weapons. I don't know what they're doing, uh, you know, with the with the whole coordinator thing. It's weird. I think he's going to struggle. Uh, well, you know, he's struggling in camp and preseason. I just – I don't I don't see it with him. I really don't. It is the athleticism in there, isn't there. The arm's good, not great. I mean, I yeah. – and, and also, call me crazy, but if you – have you heard him talk at a podium? Yeah. He doesn't give me the most confident franchise quarterback. But you know who he reminds me of, kind of, is Andy Dalton at the podium. Now, Andy Dalton's a good pro, right? Been in the league for a while. He's certainly a serviceable, serviceable backup. He was a middle-to-low-tier franchise quarterback for a couple years, right? Yeah. Made a great living, and he's a great pro. But that's, I think, that that's what I see in Mac Jones. And people are trying to sell me that he's Montana. I said he's Andy Dalton. Yes, um... I don't, I don't understand the big-time comparisons with Mac Jones and other greats. Uh, he hasn't really showed where he can even stand out and be different in the league yet. So, I mean, if you're, if you're projecting him to be a Montana, well, then he better shape the game and change the NFL in ways that we've never seen before because right. that's kind of what Joe did. Right. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> Mac Jones as, as a Joe Montana it's it's like a little bit ridiculous. That's I think he's more hysterical. Andy Dalton. Uh, even, Andy, Andy Dalton, low end Kirk Cousins, right? Mm, Carson Palmer, maybe. Yeah, Carson Palmer. I think Carson Palmer is probably a better player than Mac Jones. But yeah, yeah but I can see it. Maybe like the same career flight path ish. I don't They're know. Kind of bounce around a little bit. That, a couple times, I feel yeah. like Carson Palmer would be his like ceiling uh, projection. You know I what I mean? Decent. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. All right, miss number two. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence in my eyes has been the best prospect that I've seen. You know, since I started really actually covering drafts, which is probably about four years ago. Um, and then even going back previous drafts before I was even in live time covering it, right? Probably the last, like, ten years, I think he was the best prospect, probably since Andrew Luck. And, um, and he's easily the best in his class, and that he should succeed. I still think he should succeed, but damn, does it not look pretty. It Almost ever. Look good. Uh, you know, the videos online, him, quote-unquote, carving up the Steelers, we put up six points in the first half. Yeah. You know, so he looks good throwing it. He's athletic. But at the end of the day, you got to put up points. 
Right? That's that's Steelers. They had like half their first team out there for a little bit, and then from there was second, third, fourth team. Right? They put up six points in the first half. That's not winning any football games. Didn't you have to win games. Didn't even throw a touchdown pass. It was two field goals. You yeah. have to win games. Like I'm sorry. Consider um, it say you're good all you want. If you're not winning, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Did you see? How in he almost looked incompetent when they had TJ Watt in there for yeah. a little bit, and TJ Watt got that sack and slammed him. Right. Well, we're um, we're gonna go over the division, and and you'll see on the graphics um, some explanation as to why the Jags are where they are, and yeah. you know, we'll kind of talk through it. I'll give you a hint: offensive line's one of those reasons that I don't think they're gonna be world world beaters. You know. Yeah, but we'll get to that in the AFC South predictions in the second segment. Yep. All right, hit number three. Uh, when Tom Brady went to Tampa, I was shocked. Um, I mean, I just didn't expect it. I think I think Tampa was pretty far down the list, and I didn't think it was where he would end up. I think I said it. I was like, I don't see him landing in Tampa. Um, and and what do you know? It was probably about his third choice. So the story out via Dana White, which is a very weird <laughs> way to break a story, but yeah. he wanted Vegas. And, of course, we all know about the Miami stuff. So I, it's pretty clear Tampa was the third choice at this point, um, unless there were other teams he was thinking about. But right now he wanted to own and quarterback – part own and be a quarterback for Miami. Yes. He was looking at houses and almost had a done deal to go to Vegas. So don't t- don't sit here and tell me, oh, Tampa was always the always the spot. Maybe from a weapon standpoint, but for his business, his brand, clearly was not the top spot. Um, and I was semi-right saying that I just did not expect that, and I didn't think it was where he would be uh, ending up. Yeah. Uh, the other two teams are interesting. You Because you sit back and you think, well, what would have been? Like a, a Tom Brady on that Miami team? I bet you Brian Flores doesn't get fired. I bet you probably not. Uh, he, Tua never sniffs the field. Um, probably not. Well, they probably they probably would have included it. Well, I guess it was a free agent, so it wouldn't have been a trade. They probably would have looked to trade him, probably to, to move him. Probably. You know? Because I mean, you probably could have got a. I mean, he's a first round quarterback at that point. You probably could have got a first, maybe a second. Yeah. Probably. Maybe not. like a, a definitely a, a second. Oh, easily like a yeah. high second round pick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, anyway. Did not. Interesting. Tampa wasn't number one. I'll just tell you that. All right, missed number three. I think I picked the Broncos to be a dark horse team either last year or the year before. Um, <laughs> definitely not with Drew Locke. I, I mean, look, if you're struggling to beat out an old Geno Smith, you just don't have it. You're just not that guy. Really you, tough. What that means is you belong in exactly the same role as Geno Smith, a backup, right? I think Drew Locke would be a good backup. I, I, I worry a little bit about his, his ego and his flash. Not normally a, a typical backup quarterback type of demeanor, yeah. but he's got the talent to be in the league. Um, just he's just not accurate enough. Doesn't make enough big time throws. I mean, point blank. Uh, like I said, if you don't jump off the page against Geno Smith in quarterback competition, I, I I can't put my arms around you, and I can't believe I actually picked the Broncos to be a dark horse team with him at the helm. I, I can't. No, but can't explain that. This year, Broncos definitely going to do well. Not as dark horse ish yeah, team no, because absolutely. of Russ now. Yeah, he came yeah. in there completely changed the deck um the broncos are going to be good this year on i agree kind of an unrelated note but not really unrelated they're going to be really good i mean uh, go back and check out the uh, the instagram or even the episode of the video whatever um of us actually going through the afc west that was probably a while back i think we did that second that was our second division that we did right so So go back and check that out six weeks um, ago there you go. You do oh, time, nice. time stamped and everything here. Look at that. This guy is this. His brain works in numbers. So, it does. Yeah. All the time. I'm more of a. I don't know. I remember weird things. You remember numbers. Yeah. So, numbers are my are kind yeah, of my thing. So. Yeah. It kind of works out. But uh, anyway, don't go anywhere because when we come back, second segment, we'll have the AFC South and of course the superlatives, MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, a breakout, and coach of the year. So make sure you come back for the second segment.
All right, we are back here in the second segment. First Thursday episode. Yes, feels good. Uh, I don't know about ever, but first Thursday episode for this NFL season. Definitely not ever. Um, you know, we explained that <clears throat> it just works out good to, to be able to predict the, the games coming up, review the games that just happened. Uh, ends up working out perfectly with our schedules as well. So, you know, kind of a win-win for everybody. So Getting into the routine today. Right. So uh, in this segment, we'll have the AFC South predictions, the superlatives as well. And in the third segment, we'll wrap up with a real nice interview with Ben Thompson from the Bump and Run podcast. He's a, mostly a Patriots guy, but he covers a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so we'll get a little bit of a different perspective in here on, uh, on what's going on in, in New England. You know, maybe uh, kind of see where the conversation goes. I do want to talk to him about Tua. Yeah. You know, plays him often, sees him often, so we'll see. Looking forward to that for sure. It's always good to get a different perspective, a fresh take, especially from somebody that covers a team a little more closely, right? right. I know we probably cover the Steelers and, and the Steelers quarterback situation a little heavier. I think we have now two weeks in a row where that's the opening like rant and discussion that we want to talk about. Right. Uh, so we cover that pretty heavily. So it'll be good to get somebody with that perspective that's geared towards the Pats, that that's paid attention to their franchise for, you know, probably since he was just a young yeah. fan. Yeah. Right. So it's always good to get that. Definitely looking forward to the third segment. But what I'm even more excited for right now is the AFC South prediction. So it is our last week of divisional predictions, finishing it all off in one of the strangest divisions, we'll say. Uh, there's kind of some stuff that can go on, and number one and two are kind of close, but then three and four are a bit of a drop-off. Um, so let's just go AFC South predictions. Here we go. Starting at the bottom, like we normally do. I mean, I don't understand how you wouldn't put the Texans at 4-13, and 13, so here's the thing. Davis Mills is, I don't think he's bad, bad. I mean, he's still bottom, like, probably seven in the league. Yeah. But he's not, like, absolutely abysmal. But in this division, he's probably the worst quarterback. They And around them, they probably have the worst supporting staff. I would think you know, so. I, I think Lovey Smith, he's been around the game, but let's not act like he's a, you know, a world beater at coach. No. Outside of Brandon Cook, the receiving, you know, staff, the receiving core is, is pretty weak. The offensive line's weak. The running game is, is decent. And uh, they have some piece in the secondary, some young pieces, um, none that I think are going to be, you know, top 10 right now. So I think overall their defense, really mediocre, and their offense is, I would say, bad. Yeah, um, I don't – there's not many bright spots on the team in general. Uh, And they seem to be the center of noise in the NFL. All the time, Um, all the time. Especially with the Deshaun thing that came out and their involvement and everything that never really got fully brought to light, but it's still there. You know that there's rumblings of it going through the halls wherever um, the Texans are at. It's going to follow them. Yep. Um, So just for that reason... I mean, it's really tough to think that they're going to be able to string together a long line of success when you have so much instability in-house. Right. you got to take care of that first before you go out. I mean, because they're going to be competing through two pretty tough teams. And it just, yeah, I agree. I agree. Their whole schedule's tough. Let's and, just call it that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think even uh, the next team here, which is the Jags, uh, we have them at about 6-11. and 11. I think they're a much better football team than, than Houston. And... Uh, Look, the Jags. They the Jags might be one of the most improved teams in the league this year. They were just so bad that six and eleven is improved. Yes, um, I think this is probably their last year where they are this bad. And then next year, if they keep moving in the right direction, like you know, looking at their trend line, um, they should be somewhere around eight and nine, nine and eight next year. Yeah. This year, I think six and eleven feels right. I think Trevor Lawrence is probably gonna have his you know a pretty decent year. 
much improved. His first uh, Doug, Doug Peterson's a, a pretty good coach. Yeah, his first drama-free year, too, without Hopefully. Urban Meyer kind of stirring things up. Because he was really the the main catalyst Issue. that stirred the pot. Um, I mean, he was probably the center of almost all the locker room issues. I agree. And, I mean, you look at the team that spends the most money in free agency, they always end up improving by about three to four wins, right? So they yeah. had, what, three wins last year. So it's not crazy to say that, you know, hey, they could probably move up to uh, – to about six here, six and eleven, and we uh, know how talented Trevor Lawrence is. Right. It's just I, a matter of when he's going to turn it on. Right, and my issue is their offensive line is pretty bad, and their secondary is weak. So in a, in a league where you need to pass the football, they don't they're not going to have the protection to give Trevor Lawrence time, and they don't have anybody to really stop the passing attack. So yeah. that's why that's why I have them here at six and eleven. But the roster is improving, and so this is a an optimistic six and eleven here for the Jags. All right, at, at number two. I think the Titans take a step back. Losing A.J. Brown, I think A.J. Brown's a top 10 receiver. Um, probably even closer to 5 than 10. I think he's uh, he uses his frame really, really well. Yards after the catch is astonishing for a guy that big. Um, he moves really well. He goes up and gets 50-50 footballs better than almost anybody in the league. Um, and they don't have him. And they're very, very Derrick Henry reliant. Yeah. If he goes out, I'm not sure. And he went out last year and somehow they got the one seed. But you had A.J. Brown. You know what I mean? So this year you don't have A.J. Brown. I mean, Tannehill's been good. Do we expect him to keep, you know, at this pace? Like, he's not a very consistent well, quarterback, and, and, so. And this is the thing. I mean, sure, Ryan Tannehill's decent. He's a very serviceable quarterback. And right. He's, he's shown flashes of being really good. Yeah. But the stats without his number one target, no matter who it is, uh, if it's A.J. Brown, no matter who his number one target is, when he loses them or doesn't have them, the stats take a big drop-off. Right. Um, so, relying solely on a running back is really not the way to go. It's it's one of the most, I'd say, positions where you're liable to get injured because you're getting hit all the time by grown yep. men that are 350 pounds and With can, run like starts, a, right? yeah, can run like a deer, run 4'4", 40, and still be 6'7", 320. And be, it, and it's, it's ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it, no, I, I agree. Um, and Tennessee's secondary is pretty weak. Outside of Kevin Byard, they don't really have anybody in the secondary. Pass rush is decent, but still not to the point where it could make up for the secondary. Mm-hmm. So I just, to me, they feel like a very 500-ish team. 8-9, and 9-8, and eight, somewhere around there. And I think Vrabel has a lot to do with why they even get to 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and you don't think Vrabel's a really good coach? From, I, I mean, from the Belichick tree, he's he, yeah. he'll get that defense ready to play for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, let's go with number one. That leaves the Indianapolis Colts at 10-7. and seven. So they were on the verge of making the playoffs last year. And people always want to say, oh, Carson Wentz this, Carson Wentz that. Carson Wentz is 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. But with that being said, the time of his interceptions was costly, right? And so what's going to happen now is you now have a veteran quarterback, Matt Ryan. Mm. When those picks are thrown, he's going to look a lot different, right? It's not going to be fourth quarter spinning around in the end zone flinging one. Yeah. That's going to be a pick, right? You're going to see a lot more maturity out of the position. He's going to be, you know, not super creative, or he's going to hit that third, the third step in his drop, get the ball out. It's going to be accurate. It's going to be on time. Might not be beautiful. Might not be dynamic, but it's going to be on time. It's going to be professional. It's it's going to be accurate, and, and that's kind of what they need because they have a good running attack. I don't love their receivers outside of their top like two, yeah, you know. But I do like Alec Pierce. I like um, Michael Pittman. We'll see from there. Um, but their defense, I think, is what's going to be special. I think they have guys at all three levels. You know, they go out and get Stephon Gilmore in the secondary. You got Kenny Moore in the secondary. Darius Leonard at linebacker. Their pass rush, you got Quiddy Pay. Um, oh, the guy from San Francisco, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, they got a decent pass rush. Yeah. So they should be fine on defense. And I think their offense is going to be good enough to win this division because it's kind of dysfunctional. Um, 
They'll have a 10 and 7. They'll probably be the fourth seed in the AFC, I think. Yeah, the thing that just confuses me, though, is why does everybody look down on Matt Ryan so much? He is... He's the people forget he's the best statistical quarterback in the NFL since 2012 in completion percentage, passing yards for sure. I think. Passing yards and there's another category. He's it might up, be yards per attempt, something, something like that. that. Yeah. It, it's something in there. He leads in three or four categories and qualifies as at least a top three statistical quarterback of of, of the of last probably last ten years, decade ish. Yeah. Um, he's a really good quarterback, and he's kind of been stuck in Atlanta and been right. stuck with what he's had. But right. he's somewhere between like the the tenth and not not tenth. He's probably somewhere between the twelfth and sixteenth best quarterback, right? Yeah. I think that can win you a playoff game. Yep. I think they can get you to the playoffs certainly, and and you can vie for a playoff win, especially with the the surrounding cast. For sure, I agree. Um, so to kind of run back through there, we got the Texans at four and thirteen. The Jags at six and eleven, the Titans at eight and nine, and finally the Colts at ten and seven. Let's go ahead and get into our superlatives. We'll start with MVP. I I, I think you got to go Derrick Henry here. Here's the thing. I was between him and Jonathan Taylor, right? We kind of talked about it. Yeah. The thing about Derrick Henry is when you talk about value, I think that team is very Derrick Henry reliant. Yes. Like they might be able to get to to nine, ten wins if he has a good season. If he doesn't, if he's not effective in every single game, they could go eight and nine, which we predicted them at, even seven and ten. Yeah, right. They're very, very Derrick uh, Henry reliant, which I don't like. Um, but at the end of the day, he is the most valuable player in this division. He's also he probably will put up pretty good stats because he always does. He's the bell cow back for sure. I mean, he so. is he's so good. His speed right off of the line of scrimmage is what blows me away, and then how he can just rip through um, the the defensive line. I mean, it's really hard to get him down. The stuff that usually guys will get tripped up, a little bit wrapped up, Derrick Henry doesn't, um, and the film shows it. So, I mean, it, we've seen it time and time again. He has led this offense for, I mean, however long he's been there at this point. Um, I don't see that changing. Derrick Henry, MVP. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, let's go with Offensive Player of the Year. I think, uh, like I said, we were between Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor for for MVP. So I think you got to give Jonathan Taylor the Offensive Player of the Year here. Um, and also, there's not a whole lot of offensive firepower in this division, right? I mean, no, uh, you lost AJ Brown, so that's out. You, you know, Derrick Henry is, is good, but we have him at MVP already. Uh, the Colts lack a big time receiver. I, I think Michael Pittman's good, but I don't yeah. think he's quite Offensive Player of the Year yet. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, the Jags, I guess, Christian Kirk, but he's not quite there yet either. And the Texans are pretty devoid of talent. So I think it, by default, Jonathan Taylor, but that's not taking anything away from him. He's a really good back as well. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. But the other name that I would think about and look at is Matt Ryan. But yeah. I, I think he's going to be good, but we haven't seen him play for this for this team yet in, right. in Indianapolis. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, could he end up being the offensive player? Sure. But, I mean... He was great when he was in Atlanta, too, and they don't have too much to show for it. Right, exactly. All right, defensive player of the year. Um, let's go Kevin Byard, the safety for uh, for Tennessee. I mean, he's probably a top three safety in the league. I think he was rated number one, actually, last year. You know, again, they had not a whole lot of you know defensive firepower. I, I like, you know, some defensive linemen uh, from Indianapolis. I like Darius Leonard. He's up there as well. But I think, not, I think safety and linebacker are both relatively – non-valuable positions, right? I think you pay corner, edge rusher, you know, left tackle and quarterback, maybe wide receiver then next. But I think what he does with taking the football away and who he's able to cover, he can cover tight ends pretty well. And so his ability to kind of act as a DB sometimes, as a a cornerback, 
um, is, is quite impressive, and that's kind of what sets him apart. So I think defense part of the year for Kevin Byard makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's really that, that bright spot on the Tennessee defense. Absolutely, because uh, their secondary is kind of weak outside of him. It, it really is, yeah. So it, when you're looking to cover those better receivers, he's going to be your last resort, right. really, up, <laughs> down and I mean, in the secondary of that defense. And yep. he's going to need to make some picks and really make some noise because – it's underwhelming, I would yeah, say. Very much so. Um, I breakout player. I think Trevor Lawrence. I really do. So I think uh, whenever Doug Peterson gets there, well, he's already there. You know, whenever the season starts, for first season with Doug Peterson, you're going to see, you know, a lot of timing, rhythm throws. You've already seen a lot more play action, right? Defined reads for for Trevor Lawrence to kind of get that that confidence up, get him feeling it. You know, start to start to get that progress going. The offense is going to be clever. I mean, we saw it. You know, I, I referenced it earlier. The whole trick play. You know, in the, in the Super Bowl against yeah. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Yeah. You're going to see him push the envelope, be a little bit more aggressive um, um, in situational moments. And I think uh, I think T. Law is going to have a pretty good season, and he's going to continue to grow. But again, not a great rock. I think six and eleven feels right. The following year, I can see them being being more improved. But you I, know, for right now, Trevor Lawrence is the breakout player. Yeah, I definitely see him at least himself popping more than than he did last year. And Hopefully. I mean, and that's not all on him from last year either, because of everything that circulated through there. It's a right. different team now. When you come from stability like like Clemson, like you come out, you're the yeah. number one draft pick overall. Everybody knows it. Nobody's going above you. Right. And you come from that and you go into a Jacksonville. That's a big change in just culture itself. So now two years in the system and – at least in the organization, new system, but same organization. Right. Um, and a, a little more comfortable. A little more chemistry. The guys have gelled a little more. Yeah. So this is the year. Next year is going to be the big year for Jacksonville. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of crazy, but for Jacksonville, we mean big year, like maybe have a winning record. Yeah, like nine and eight. Our <laughs> <laughs> um, coach of the year. So now it's hard to it's hard to give coach of the year to a guy who's going to lead him to a six and eleven record. But I think what Doug Peterson's going to do as a stepping stone for this organization going forward. Right, they're at ground negative seven right Oof. and so whenever he gets him up to ground zero for this upcoming year right it's going to be a slower build i think the stepping stone and the progress that you're going to see this year is going to warrant coach of the year i think they're going to be in almost every football game i don't think they're going to get blown out much maybe a couple times early yeah. in the year but i think overall they're going to be in a lot of football games and i think that's going to be due to doug peterson and also the development that he's able to instill in trevor lawrence so i think i think it's weird giving a coach of the year to a 6 and 11 coach but i, I do think that he the development that he's going to get into yeah, this, into this Jacksonville our, team is going to be where we're predicting them. Yeah. Right, right. I think that's going to be crucial. So, I think Doug Peterson, Coach of the Year, breakout Trevor Lawrence, Defensive Player of the Year, Kevin Byard, um, Offensive Player of the Year, Jonathan Taylor, and MVP Derek Henry for the AFC South. Yeah, uh, this division is definitely a little more offensive, lo- offensively loaded for mm-hmm. sure. I Absolutely. mean, like you don't think of any of these teams and think, oh, great pass rush or solid secondary you know right i don't know it's yeah. a very offensive division yeah, and even then it's with. still it's just a weak division it is it's a weak division it is i mean when yeah. the colts and the titans are battling it out at, at 10 and 7 8 and 9 9 and 8 maybe for it's the not, titans it's not ideal yeah yeah I mean, um no that's about that's about all we got for this segment uh next one we do have our interview with ben thompson which i'm, I'm pretty excited about get a patriot perspective that's going to be interesting yeah uh you know in the meantime go you know while we're while you're taking the break waiting for the next segment right go hit the like button subscribe you know do all do all that fun stuff for us we really appreciate it um so guys we'll see you guys on the other side of the break
What's up? We are back. It is the third segment here on a Thursday, and uh, a great segment here to get to you. We have a lot of NFL talk. Uh, we have uh, Ben Thompson in the issue waiting room right now, uh, getting ready to come in and talk some NFL football, uh, more specifically the Patriots and kind of what's been going on there. And then um, we'll get into some stuff about the AFC East. You know, we got a lot of good questions for him, and it will be really good to, to talk to him. My Yeti leaked a little bit on me. Sorry for that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, the lid, they, their lid is on it. I don't know what you want from me. Um, Yeti, fig, you, figure it out. Gave it your best. Um, yeah, either way, uh, it'll be exciting to talk to him and just kind of get the perspective of, of uh, you know, someone who's a little bit more tied into the Patriots, a Patriots fan as well, because um, I just don't see it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yep. They just... <laughs> not I mean, my not my pick to win the division. I'll tell you that. No, they uh, it, we went through their schedule when we did the divisional predictions, and it was kind of tough. I just can't find a lot of wins. Yeah, I mean, we tried to give it to them too. Like we tried to to take into account, you know, how many wins can Bill really coach them to? Uh, different stuff like that. But you know, let's five, five and twelve. Let's get a different perspective on this. He's in the waiting room now. Let's let's bring him in. Um, you want to start off? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, with with Mac Jones, right? Second year quarterback, still needs some development, right? The whole, you know, the offensive coordinator thing's weird. The weapons aren't great. That aside, right? You didn't like our prediction for the Patriots, right? You thought it was a little low at five and twelve. Um, you actually had commented on the TikTok, uh, you know, bold take, and that's how we actually started talking. Get get him on the show here. Um, what is your outlook for the season? Because I'm not a <laughs> not as optimistic as you. I think you have him. Um, uh, definitely a little bit better than our five and twelve. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. I, I just think five and twelve is a little low. I know they're, you know, you guys are kind of stuck on on the uh, offensive play caller thing, but uh, you know, I think the Patriots would be kind of right right about where they were again last year. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough for Mac losing a guy like Josh McDaniels. You see how much input he had in that offense, how well he worked with Belichick and the quarterbacks. I mean. Shit! Look at the success that he had with Brady over the, you know, over the past decade, two decades. It's you know, it's been crazy. So, um, I think they'll be right around ten and seven. Uh, you know, I took a good look at the schedule. It, I, I, I just can't see them losing a ton of games. I, I do see them being kind of middle of the pack. They might not make playoffs. Obviously, AFC is pretty deep as compared to the NFC. But, you know, I, I think they'll be there. They they can battle with the Bills. I know the playoffs didn't go in the Patriots' favor, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think they'll be somebody that can be right where, right where they were last year. All right, that's fair. So so I'm going to explain my side, right? I mean, like you, we saw a little bit on the TikTok, right? But, you know, for, for this episode here and just for, for everyone watching. So I'm worried the weapons are they're bad. I mean, yeah, I, you know, we, we, you know, they like, they like to run the ball. They're always going to have at least a decent offensive line. That's fine, but it's an offensive league. It's a passing league. You got to be able to sling the football around. You got to have guys on the outside. Weapons are bad. And then I know, I know the whole play caller thing, but at the end of the day, look at all the great young quarterbacks, right? Josh Allen, Brian Dable, um, you know, Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, all these young quarterbacks that have this mentor. I think Justin Herbert off the top of my head is the only one that doesn't have like a, you know, a guru that's coaching him that's been really good, that that does worry me. I might be hung up on a little more than most people, but that does worry me having, what, two failed head coaches basically, one being a defensive guy, one a special teams guy. I mean, do you think do you think a, uh, someone better for development would be better in that role? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly there's plenty of different options, but you know, you think about a guy like Matt Patricia, who's been the defensive guru for that team for quite a while. Obviously, things didn't work out in Detroit, but I think he knows the system well. He works well with Belichick. I mean, you've seen the continued success there with some couple Super Bowl victories. Uh, Joe Judge, uh, I know that's a little bit of a different story. Patriots, you know, they always emphasize all three phases of the game. You see how well their special teams work year in, year out. Guys like Matt Slater, um, you know, Brandon King, guys that are really good for that Patriots uh, special teams unit. Uh, You know, Joe Judge, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how well he will fit in offensively. I think the play calling has been more on Patricia and Belichick uh, through these first couple preseason games, at least. Um, You know, I think they'll be okay. At the end of the day, you still got Bill Belichick at the helm. So that's fair. uh, I mean, that's a a nice security blanket to fall back on, I guess. Right. I mean, it won't last forever, you know? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. But uh, well, we were talking earlier today, uh, just in the first segment here about, Mac Jones and a little bit about what we think his career flight path could look like. Um, I myself, and I think we as a show are not very high on Alabama quarterbacks. You know, there's not much proof of them succeeding in the NFL to like the highest extent. What's your take on, on Mac Jones? Where do you see him progressing to? And where do you, what do you think is like a good comparison to him in the league? Cause people were throwing around Joe Montana, things like that. And we think that's a little inflated. Uh, we see him more as a Carson Palmer or a, uh, Andy Dalton. I said Andy Dalton. Okay, to be fair, I said Andy Dalton because I think at the podium, his voice isn't necessarily stern, right? He's not. He's a little more of a quiet guy. Uh, you know, Andy could get it outside of the pocket a little bit, but he's not a freak athlete. I think I yeah. see some similarities in Mac. But, yeah, I mean, w- w- what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I-, I can see kind of where you guys are coming from with that. I think year two will be definitely telling, um, you know, the way everything seems is he's been bought in way more. He looks like a different guy this year. Um, you know, I think all the hype's always going to be that way about guys like that, that are kind of leading your team, if you know what I mean. So, right. um, but yeah, no, I think he's going to be a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be the next Tom Brady. I know a lot of people had talked about that as well. Like you kind of alluded to, but uh no, I think he'll have a good career. I, I don't I, – I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. But, yeah, like Andy Dalton, that – you know. I, I do think he's going to be a little bit better than Andy Dalton. Yeah, he's going to be better than him. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's not – like you said, he's not going to be this uh, this Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type of guy. I think he's going to be a, a good quarterback. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's early. You, you right. never know. Like you said, the weapons on the Patriots offense is definitely a, a, a giant question for for sure. Um, they bring in Devontae Parker, who I think will will help out. You got Jacoby Myers, who, you know, he's been kind of hit or miss here over the last right. couple of years. But, you know, you, you've seen in that Patriots offense where, you know, these no-name guys can end up being super spectacular. I mean, look at yeah. Chris Hogan and Danny Amendola, those guys were just absolute units. I, I know they had Brady at the helm, but you never know. So right. uh, to make a long answer short, I guess, yeah, I would say he's going to be better than Andy Dalton, but I, I 
you know, I, I don't think he's going to be this super spectacular quarterback. So, kind of getting back to, to closer to your area expertise, right, the AFC East. I think Tua, they're going to have a little bit of a dilemma after this year, right? So in that offense, Mike McDaniel's offense, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo succeeded in the same kind of tree. Kyle Shanahan got Matt Ryan to a Super Bowl, right? That offense makes good quarterbacks, right? He's going to have, at the end of the year, some pretty good stats. He'll have a QBR, you know, somewhere around... I don't know, 96, right? They're, they're going to have a real dilemma. Do we pay him or are we kind of carrying him, right? So what do you what do you think is the outlook for your kind of rival Dolphins? You know, I think the Dolphins are going to be a great team this year. I actually just had my fantasy football draft last week and I took to a, I waited, I got him and I also have Tyreek Hill. So kind of got that stack going. But I think with those weapons, you know, you got uh, Jalen Waddle there. Mike Gesicki is a, you know, he's a red zone threat, just like Mark Andrews is. So, I mean, I think that offense is going to be great. You know, you bring in a whole new slew of running backs that, uh, you, you know, they can catch passes out of the backfield. You saw it last year, Chase Edmonds. They bring in Sony Michelle. We've seen Raheem Mostert have great games for the 49ers. So, uh, yeah, completely revamped offense for the Dolphins. Uh you know, their defense could be a little bit better, but uh, no, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be right there. Uh, I, I wouldn't put them right with the Bills, but I think there'll be a couple games behind them, you know, kind of right where I see the Patriots at. So, yeah, with Tua, you know, getting these getting these guys that he can throw the ball to, if he can show that he can throw that deep ball. I know we've seen yeah. a couple times in practice where – you know, it's either been over guys' heads or short or, you know, this or that. But I, I think they are going to be great this year. I I really do. So kinda kinda wrapping up here, my dark horse pick for this year, right, is the is the Vikings. I think they lost on like eight games last year by like on a last possession or last two possessions, something like that. They lost like eight coin flip games. Normally that evens out. You don't usually lose all eight close games. It's usually about, you know, four and four, maybe five and three, right? So I think some of those get turned around. I think uh, Kevin O'Connell will get the best version of Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, right? That's kind of my pick. I think they win the division. I think they're going to kind of be that team that went from not very good to maybe could win a playoff game or two. Who's your dark horse pick? So, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, and I got to take somebody from the NFC as well. I think the Saints have a bit better of a season than they did last year. I think they do get into the playoffs. You, you know, Michael Thomas is coming back. We don't exactly know what's going on with Alvin Kamara yet. Bringing in a guy like Chris Olave, who is a great receiver. I'm really interested to see how he fares. Not to mention the Saints defense is uh, one of the better defenses in this league. New head coach, Dennis Allen, who's been with the team as their D coordinator for quite a while. So, I'm really interested to see how they do this year. Like I said, I think they can get a wild card spot, but at the quarterback position, that's where your that's where your question marks arise. You know, you got Jameis there, who can either be really good or he can be really bad. So um, I'm looking for the Saints to have a little bit better season this year. I think they get into the playoffs, maybe get a playoff win. But uh, you know, as far as the Vikings, I I can totally see where you're coming from as well. I would love to see them win that division. Yeah, I mean, 
not that I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but it'd be refreshing to see the Vikings win. I'm not a huge Aaron Aaron guy, but I think the Vikings, it'd be cool. Actually, as soon as we let, um, as soon as we dropped our AF, or no, I'm sorry, NFC South predictions, right? We had the Saints, I think, 7-10 and 10 when I said in the video or even on the podcast, whatever, I said, um, you know, I think they could be 10-7. and 7. We have them 7-10. and 10. I said, I think they could be 10-7. and 7. My issue is that I have to bet on Jameis Winston for 17 games. Right, like, in a small sample size, if you had to come in for a game or two, I'm happy with it. I, for 17 games, do I know what I'm getting, you know, week in and week out? So that's why I have him at a little bit lower. But, again, who knows? He could be really good, and I could see him sticking in the playoffs. That, that's a good pick. Yeah, it, it is. It is a good pick. It is. Ben, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, guys, go check out his podcast, the Bump and Run Podcast, live of what, Patriots. I know your buddy's an Eagles guy, Dallas guy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, all kinds of good content over there. We talk uh, NFL football just like these guys do week to week. Uh, we're about to have some live shows coming up here soon. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Thank you very much. Uh,